Welcome to So You Want to Be a Copywriter, brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, the world's leading centre for writing courses. You can find out more about our copywriting courses at writerscentre.com.au slash copywriting. Now over to Bernadette. If you've ever wanted to offer PR services to your clients, but you've never really known what PR is or how to offer it, this is the podcast for you. Jules Brooks is one of Australia's top publicists and PR coaches. Now, she specialises in helping SMEs do their own PR so they can get free coverage in print, press, radio, TV and online. Now, what I think you'll love most about this podcast is the way Jules shows you exactly how to write a new style media release. Yes, they're not like they used to be. And she gives you the exact script you need to pitch it to the right journalist. She takes the guesswork out of getting free media coverage for your copywriting business and your clients' businesses as well. Hello, I'm Bernadette Schwert, and this is the podcast for those looking to reinvent their lives as a copywriter and want some inspiration and practical tips on how to do it. I'm the founder of the Australian School of Copywriting and the head copywriting tutor at the Australian Writers' Centre. Now, if you'd like to build a side hustle, work from wherever you want, check out our courses at writercentre.com.au slash essentials, and you'll discover how copywriting can help you find the independence and freedom you seek. Now, here's a review from Denny, who recently completed our Copywriting Essentials course. I've been working in corporate life for a decade and writing lots of content, but I didn't even realise it was copywriting. Your course gave me the confidence to leave the security of corporate life and it taught me how to package up what I've already been doing and get paid for it. I now work half the hours and then twice as much. Good on you, Denny. Now, if you like our podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Let's get started. Welcome, Jules. Oh, thank you very much, Bernadette. Lovely to be here. Now, Jules, you've had an amazing career in PR, you've been in advertising, you've been sales rep, you've worked in graphic design and advertising and all Ooh, sorts. you've done of, all your research. <laughs> I have done my research. And I think what you bring to any conversation is experience and the real deal, you know, like you can't do what you've do, you can't do what you've done by faking it, right? Okay. So I'm really interested in talking to you today about PR mm-hmm. and how both copywriters can get their own PR, but also yeah. potentially how copywriters can potentially offer PR to their clients as well. Because totally. PR is such a broad term now, isn't it? It is, and so many people need writing. You know, that that's the bit that holds them back from doing it. So it is a perfect opportunity for um, copywriters to go out and go, me, me, me. Totally. Well, let's let's start with the basics. What do you perceive to be the difference between copywriting and PR? Is there a difference? Uh, Do you know, now I'm going to show my ignorance. I actually don't know a lot about copywriting other than employing people. You know, when I worked in agency lands, obviously you always had a creative team that involved a copywriter and that you do writing on advertising. It's kind of writing, I guess, in, in, in any form. Is yeah, well, or maybe am I wrong? I could add a little bit to that yeah, conversation. Yeah, well, why don't you define it first? <laughs> then I'll tell you the difference. Let me, t- let me tell you what I think. You're right. Okay. Um, I think this happens a bit because people, for example, will send me a media release, like students, for example, mm-hmm. say, Bernadette, can you look at this release for me? And they're promoting themselves, for example, right? Yep. And what I guess they fail to, to nail, which is just through lack of experience, is there's nothing in it for the journalist, right? It is a pure yes. plug. Right, And in fact, well, then I'd take that a step further and go, it's actually not even the journalist. You need to pretend you're the journalist and write it for their audience. Yeah. So most journalists these days are so overworked because there's so few of them, because we know what happened during the lockdown and also what's happened in the digital age, that, um, that they desperately need pre-written articles. And, and along with an image is the only other thing I would say, which, and I'm sure that for a lot of your listeners who are copywriters, they don't really want to get into photography either. But the reality is you go to a, um, a media outlet with an article with an image or an article without an image, and uh, they're more likely to take the one with the image because they hate looking in stock photography as well. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, and but I interrupted you. No, there's there's no uh, there's no uh, format here. But I think that's that's the the, di- the difference that I I point out is that 
it, this is not copywriting where you're actually selling something. And even though copy, we do try and be a bit more subtle and a bit more educational and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But with PR, you truly have to think firstly the journalist and then their audience. And if that if there's nothing in it for the reader um, and it's just pure plug for you, they're probably not going to run with it. No. So what's your version now of PR now that I've Okay, that? thank you for, for giving me that description first. So um, the first thing I would say about PR is it's about storytelling which, you know, journalists um, and copywriters are really, really good at pulling the story out of it, but it is the story that needs to lead and not the product or the process or the system or whatever. Um, The other thing that you need to do is get to the point really, really fast. You've got to assume that um, in the same, I think all of us are the same now. We go online, we're reading something, you read the headline, you read a couple of lines. If If it's not of interest, you move on. So in the same way, a media release has to capture the attention of the journalist and then it's got to capture the, and the journalist wants it to capture the attention of the audience. They're looking for clickbait. So you, so the way of writing a media release is kind of counterintuitive because all the selling happens at the bottom or, and if, if there's any selling at all, it will be the last couple of lines. It'll be, if you want to know more about this service or you want to know more about this topic, then go to www.whatever the website is. So, um, media releases, um, these days. So, and, and let's just talk about what is a media release because I get that a bit as well. Um, in the olden days, I would say five years ago, <laughs> back in the deep, dark past, you would need to, or often you would go to a media outlet and say, here's my story idea. Will you write a story on it? These days you need to go, here's the whole story, you know, from top to bottom and here's the image that goes with it. Um, the other thing, uh, now I've lost my train of thought, what is a media release? Yes. Yeah, so um, so a media release these days kind of doesn't have a purpose because people aren't interested in that kind of boilerplate, here's something about the company or here's something about the system. So um, your media release is really an article. That would be the best thing I would say. The second thing, you are 100% right. You've got to give something to the person who's reading it. So either telling them a story and ideally a story that has some kind of purpose to it, you know, that will lead them down the garden path to go, yes, I want to be a photographer or, wow, that person has really inspired me. Um, Or it can be tips and tips are, I have to say my favourite way of getting, you know, almost guaranteed media coverage would be, so for instance, let's use Handle Your Own PR as an example. So Handle Your Own PR, I'm teaching people how to do PR. I would never go out and say there is a service out there where people can learn how to do their own PR. I probably wouldn't. Yeah, I, I just wouldn't bother doing that on any other le- on any level because the media won't pick it up. But what I do do are here are the top five mistakes that business owners make when they're trying to do their own PR. Or PR is free marketing. Have you thought about it? And then I might talk about the benefits of PR. The other thing that I would do in a media release, and I've done this many times, is tell them about other businesses, not just mine. So in order to be a rounded story. Um, they don't want me to go handle your own PR is the best. I might say all business owners should be looking at doing PR and there are three different types. You can do it yourself. You could do a bit of a hybrid with someone. You could go to an agency. Here's an example of handle your own PR where you do it yourself. Here's an example of an agency. So do you know what I mean? So you kind of round it out. Um, And the other thing is that you really need to, unless you're writing in industry media, drop all the jargon and assume that you're writing for a nine-year-old, which is what journalists are often told, um, to to just dumb it right down and don't make that assumption that people will know what it is that you're talking about. Um, And the other thing is it's only 500, 600 words. So it's never a big, long epistle um, because, you know, people have a really short attention span these days. So very rarely, except maybe in the Sunday papers, do you get the opportunity to sit down and read a 2,000-word article. So they're short and snappy. They are ideally clickbait. Your headline is going to be really important. So you can't just do five reasons why or, um, I don't know, five tips about copywriting. That just wouldn't capture the attention. It would have to be um, something more like, Um, why are you leaving money on the table by not telling your stories properly? Do you know what I mean? So, again, just a bit more compelling. So I'm hearing two (laughs) Take breath now. Oh, I'm done. Yeah, we're done. We can can wrap up. Um, Is I think there's the old style PR, you know, where 
people thought, for example, they put out a press release or media release and they personally mm-hmm. would get their photo in the paper saying, aren't I amazing, right? Yes. And now yes. what you're saying is this, this world of PR is more about you'll get your tips promoted, but maybe just two lines about you. You know, that's right. You know, expert at PR. And let me say, they may not give you the credit for that article. So that happens as well. Um, I've written so many articles and very rarely does it say at the bottom, which they will maybe give you 25 words with a a link. This was written by Jules Brooke, but that would tend to be in custom publishing and those smaller magazines. Most of the time, they're just going to take it, put it up and not put a byline beside it. And, and even within that, though, what I see sometimes is it might be some expert on workplace relations or some psychologist, and they'll just give a quote from this person, and yeah. they might have spent an hour with them on the phone. And that's happened to me. You know, I've been interviewed mm, by journalists for an hour, and I get one line. It's like, yeah. wow, all that all that preparation for nothing. Or even worse, we have um, people that pitch an idea to a magazine, and they'll give them one line, and then they'll give 50 lines about some other business, yeah. you know, because yeah, yeah, they've yeah. suddenly gone, oh, that's a great idea. We haven't done a story on migraines. That's Forget about right. your client, though. We'll go often use that's right a whole lot of other experts so what would your tips be for writing let's look at just the basics of structuring a media release and then we'll talk more about what kind of ideas would work how do you structure a media release okay so let's assume well I'm going to assume that your um, audience kind of pretty know what they're doing when it comes to copywriting Mm -hmm. so your headline is going to be about six to eight words it's going to be ideally an action statement Um, If there are numbers in it, they want to be big numbers. So rather than going only 2% of people do this, say 98% of people do that. Um, Try and make it in the present tense. And they, as I said, are looking for clickbait. So your headline is probably going to be your subject line in your email to the journalist. And it's probably also going to be the headline that they use for the article. So spend a little bit of time. If if you're good at puns, you know, some people are just so good at that kind of thing. I'd say go for it. Anything that's a bit tongue in cheek, play on words. You know, you only need to look at the Herald Sun and uh, the tabloid newspapers to see how much fun they have with um, tautology and everything else, you know, just play around with it. Okay, so that's the first thing. Then your first paragraph, your your opening sentence has to say as much about what the story is as you possibly can. So, um, you uh, and I'll just give you an example of a woman I was working with who had, she was making leather products, black leather products specifically out of Melbourne. And she wrote this media release that was three paragraphs of, you know, as the mist cleared on the night and the moon came out from blah, blah, blah. And I said to her, you need to get to the point fast. And she said, no, 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 I want it all to be revealed to the journalist. And I said, as I will say to anyone listening, no journalist is going to get that far in your article to read that big reveal. So the first line needs to say, 34-year-old Melbourne mother has just sold her house to start a business or um, five, you know, um, if you're writing for somebody who is an expert or you're writing for yourself, then try and get some kind of positioning in that first line too. So I would say um, uh, Dr. Mary Brown, having worked um, as a GP for over 30 years, strongly believes that such and such should or shouldn't happen. So you're positioning that they are an expert. You're going to give, if you can, something controversial. Uh, Controversy is great. Again, it all leads up to clickbait. So they love it. One of the best articles that I wrote was how all the laundry powder companies were ripping off their customers. And we literally used that language and it got picked up everywhere because they friggin' love it. So, you know, Try and make and current a affairs was statement. right on that one. Oh yeah, and the current affairs will if you can give them something that's not chasing a you know a baddie, they will pr- practically do a two three minute ad for you around a particular topic. Anyway, so your first line needs to get to the point. Your first paragraph, let's say it's three sentences, needs to pretty much encapsulate what the whole media release is about. And I know that's hard, but that will come with practice. And it's more about learning advertising copy, I guess, that, you know, you get keep it simple and get to the point fast. Then you probably have two more paragraphs where um, you can explain it and then you're going to have a final paragraph, roughly. Now, obviously, you can make it a little bit longer, a little bit shorter, but that's a rough um, idea. The, it's got to end with a call to action. Most people forget that. So most people, because they've got their journalist head on and they think they're writing an article for a journalist, will forget to go for more information, go to double, or, you know, if, if you want to know more about how budgerigars 
breed in winter, go to www.budgerigar.com. So that is really important. Journalists will often put it in if you put it in. The other little tip I would say is I try to get the web address into the copy as opposed to the business name. So I might go handle your own PR, but every other reference, I'll go www.handleyourownpr.com.au purely because it might give me those backlinks back to my website, which is what you want. And that's what Google loves. Um, And other than that, just keep it really simple. I often will say to people, if you've got five points to make, then turn it into five media releases. Like don't give yourself um, a big broad topic and then three or four bullet points and try and explain it all. Just give you one topic per media release. You know, that whole KISS thing is works very well. So what about the research that, say, a copywriter needs to do before they write something? Are they looking to write just for that publication? Is that that particular release for that publication or should it be a bit broader than that? Look, if you want to get into the big, juicy media, The Age, Sydney Morning Herald, um, the Herald Sun, if you're going to television, they are all going to want their own angle. And the reason for that is they're competing against each other for eyeballs. And so if all of them have the same story, they get very upset. So, And the Fin Review is another one. So if they are major newspapers or major media outlets, I would tend to go to them directly. I probably would write the article that I was going to write to send out wider, I would then go to the Fin Review or I'd go to the Herald Sun and say, would you like this story? Um, They will often say, I need to get back to you. Ask them how long they need to know. Tell them it's an exclusive um, and say, and they know very well that if they don't take it, that you want to get it in somewhere else. So normally with a newspaper, you can say, can you give me an answer within 24 hours, which they should be able to. And that's only because whoever you pitch it to, unless they are the editor, has to go to the editor and double check that they're happy to run the story. Um, And then um, now I've lost my train of thought again. (laughs) That's why I'm here. Yeah. Thank you. I'm here. I'm your, (laughs) I'm your anchor. Um, I'm just curious about following up because I often hear people say, Oh, I sent my media release. I never heard back. And I didn't quite know whether I should ring or, email again. I didn't want to be a bother, but at the same time, I didn't want to just let it go. What's your strategy for following up with the journalist once you've emailed it? Always follow up. If if you haven't heard from the journalist, assume that they haven't seen it. Don't assume that they don't want it would be my first thing. Secondly, try to do it within two days of sending it through, unless it's a monthly magazine, in which case you could do it in a week. But if it's a faster media, I would be getting back to them within two days. And all I do is I forward them the email I sent them the first time and I put, because then it'll say forward in the top anyway. And then in the first line, I'll add in a line saying, just bumping this to the top of your inbox to see if you saw it um, or just wondering if you were interested in this. Something that's very light uh, just to see what they think. But yes, a a follow-up, I would say 90% of media coverage is now picked up in a follow-up email by a journalist. Um, And then the other thing we were talking about is can you write an article that goes out wide um, to more than... So once you've tried the exclusives, if they don't want it or if they don't pick it up, then yes, I would go quite wide. And I you know, through Handle Your Own PR, I probably would send out to 30 or 40 media outlets at a time. As a bulk Um, email. Yeah, as a bulk email, but customised to each one. So mail merged so that they are not, so they all think they're the only one. Um, And the other thing is tips will go very well doing that sort of thing. So five reasons why you should do this or how to avoid doing that or whatever. Those kind of tips are very easy to spread over a number of media outlets. The other thing is product PR. So if it's a brand new product on the market, and I think we've all done that where you open the weekend newspapers and suddenly every single one has got that clever new gadget that's come out. That's because they will literally send it wide. And those people don't care um, about whether it's an exclusive. The exclusives are the stories and the information and the opinion pieces. Awesome. So just what about... um if you're a copywriter, yeah. what kind of articles or tips, stories do you think would work well that would promote the copywriter themselves? What kind well, of angles could we take? Okay, I'll give you, I'm I, my brain kind of goes off like this kind of thing. So I would be doing, why do you need a copywriter for business? How a copywriter could make a massive difference to your bottom line. Um, 
why language is so important in business, five mistakes that businesses often make when it comes to writing, uh, what other sorts of things. So you can see where I'm going with this. It's all around that. Now, if you've done a leap into copywriting, and I know that Bernadette, having done a few of your graduate um, things, I know there are people who decide to jump out of corporate and or whatever and become a copywriter. If you have got a story that you think will inspire people, why I decided to leave being a CEO or a greengrocer and become, that is a story that would probably work in the media as well. But what the media are looking for are struggle to success. So they're looking to hear the mistakes that you made as well as it's not all shiny and beautiful out there in media land. Um, They love it when people talk about um, illnesses, when they talk about I was fired, when they talk about something happened that I had to go out on my own. We're looking for that human interest kind of story. So um, that's what I would say. If you're doing your own PR, I would say be known as an expert that you can teach other people by positioning yourself. But, you know, for the last 10 years, I've been working with X kind of business owners um, and, and then give tips. The other thing I would also suggest for copywriters would be to start targeting the industry media in the industry that you work in or that you want to work in. So um, going to the Herald Sun is all well and good, but I mean, that's like a big, you know, um, broad brush stroke across the whole of um, the population. So if you want to work with artists, then go to art media and start talking about how artists could get stories in. If you want to work with manufacturing or you want to work with electricians or you want to work with accountants or travel agents or food and, you know, choose the media that are in the area that you specialise in or that you want to specialise in. And the only other thing I would say is do specialise. I think um, there's, there is a fear that a lot of people have that they're going to miss out on customers if they sort of go down into a niche, but what you end up being is a specialist. And so if you want to work in travel, then become a travel writer, proudly proclaim it and start chasing travel stories. Same for food or technology or whatever it might be. I completely agree. One of my students, uh, she <laughs> came out of a corporate role and she wanted to do food and travel. And when, yep. through our conversations, I said, well, what specifically do you like about food and travel? She well, I love wine. All right. So <laughs> she, and, she, and who thinks, people think it's too good to be true. You know, I couldn't actually write about wine. But right? of course you can. Of course you can. Of course, she got a job with a massive wine label just like yes. three weeks ago. And now she's in the Guild oh, estate so drinking wine, sending me photos going, Hey, look at me. <laughs> Thank That's you. That's so funny. One of my first jobs was working on local papers and I will never forget the food and travel. It was the same guy who looked, he, his face was almost puce because of good, the good life, I think. <laughs> you know, I'm sure there was gout and a whole lot there. But I used to think, oh, my God, what a job. And then as a sales rep, which I was in those days, you go to, you know, try and get an ad out of a resort and they say, we don't want an ad, we want a review. And I'd say, but we haven't got a journalist. And they'd say, would you come and review it? And I'd be like, oh, my God, you know. So they are very much low-hanging fruit. If you can get a story in, so you might pitch it to a media outlet first and say, I want to go and do a story on the Kangaroo Island Resort, and they'll go, great, we'll go and write it and we'll be interested. So you can pitch ideas to journalists as well or to the media. Awesome. So just with the um, pitch back on the email. Yep. And that first email that you sent, can you just talk us through what that introduction looks like? Like what would you say to, to introduce yourself with the, with the concept? Right. So I probably wouldn't introduce myself. I would get straight into the story again because you are only going to get 10 seconds of that journalist's time to see whether they want to do it. So what I would normally say is it would go, hi, whatever the journalist's first name is. Um, and then depending on the story, I would say, um, Having worked in, having worked with small business owners for the last 30 years, there is a common mistake I often see. I've written an article about it that I thought might help some of your readers. Please find my article below. And that's pretty much it. I might do an extra line that says, if you're interested in high-res images or for an interview, please get in contact. But that's pretty much it. So it's four or five lines. And then I would put the body copy of the media release below it because the, uh, the journalist just wants to see your writing style uh, and what and and what this article is starting to look like. So if they if it's too short, they will always come back to you and ask you to do more. The other thing with PR is it's never paid. 
So don't go thinking that you'll get paid. I'll tell you who will pay you. And that will be inside um, Take Five magazine. And what's the other one? Take Five and... Oh, anyway, those trashy ones that are at the end of the supermarket will pay you five or $600 if they can have it as an exclusive and you don't share it with any other magazines. They're the only two. Okay. And, you know, unless you're really targeting, um, I think they're C's and D's on the socioeconomic scale. So it's kind of shift workers, retirees and people on the dole. Um, so other than that, I would say don't expect to be paid for it. You may have the opportunity if you get published a couple of times that a media outlet might ask you to be a regular contributor or you could ask to be a regular contributor and there may be some payment that comes along with that. But in general, you're, you know, they are doing you a favour by putting the story up and you're getting the glory is the way they look at it. So just to clarify there, Jules, with the email, you do the little two-liner and then yep. you put the whole media release yes. in there. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I brilliant. normally drop out the photo because the photo I attach. So I'll write my media release, which, oh, which by the way, needs to be very basic. Don't, don't go into Canva and do a media release or MailChimp. Do it as a Word document or a Google Doc. Uh, plain text, you know, 11, 12 point word, you know, uh, font. Very basic. A journalist is, is looking for something they can scrape. They're not looking. As soon as you go into, and I've seen business owners particularly say, no, no, I want to have it designed and whatever, the journalist will think, well, this is going out to more than me. And they, whether they, whether they know we're deluding them or not, they want to think that they're the only ones. Awesome. And you do attach the image first time or you wait until they've had experience? No, I would interest. attach a very low-res image. But if you put it, if you cut and paste it and put it into the body copy, in a lot of um, the big corporates, it ends up as that white box with a little red cross in the corner. So I just would attach it as opposed to putting it, trying to fit it into the media release on your page. Got it. It's great. Just back on our copywriter who wants to get uh, coverage of themselves and yep. sort of Trojan horse-like, offer mm -hmm. some tips, et cetera. Let's just play with the story. Let's say this woman's called Marie and yep. she was, say, I don't know, CFO, right, at a, yep. at a corporate, and she doesn't really have a log cabin story or a yep. sob story. No, that's fair enough. Um, what but kind she's, of? Yeah. So she's ex-finance. Let's assume ex that she loves finance. So What's, she wants what to go her to angle B. Yeah, her angle for corporates. Okay, so let's say that she does want to go and start writing for corporates. Yeah, I would be if I was her. I would be thinking about trying to get something into the Fin Review or CEO magazine or Smart Company. Now, the Fin Review is sort of once every two years for most people. <coughs> so don't hitch your wagon to the Fin Review. But um, so the kind of stories she, she might write are um, why um, finance is a mystery to so many. Um, it, so you might do something about why finance is a mystery to so many and how financial literacy comes by education. I don't know, I, I, and I'm just completely making this up. She, she might do something about um, why don't finance companies write their own stories? And then she could talk about most of them get caught up in the numbers and they forget about the stories that are so compelling for their customers. It might be... Um, she might also write some tips, five things I've learned from being a CFO um, and, and how that could play out for smaller businesses maybe. Um, so it's that kind of thing. It does, it, does that sort of help? Yeah, it's a bit yeah. hard unless we have something. Yeah, I know I'm giving you something really specific. I'm just trying to think if, if someone doesn't have that kind of sob story. Yeah, so if you don't have themselves? a sob story, use your experience and your knowledge. And if you're writing for a client, ask them for theirs. So ask them for um, what I often say to people is if you explain to someone what your business is, and I'm just going to say the same. So say I'm a copywriter and I'm speaking to CEO and I'm going, we need to get some stories out or the CEO is saying we need stories. What should I write? You go, right. Well, when you go out to a business event or socially and you tell people what you do, what are the five common questions that they ask you? Those should be the media releases. Nice. Those five questions, what, you know, what, what's it like being a CEO? Why do you work for ANZ? Are ANZ any good with their, I don't know, whatever? 
those are the questions people are asking you. That means that's what people want to know. So it's a, a really, I often say with small business owners, if they go to a barbecue and somebody says, what is it that you do? And you then dumb it down. I mean, you know, I don't tell my mother I teach DIY PR because her eyes would go crossed. I say, I tell people how to get in magazines and newspapers for free. You know, so it's it's that subtle difference. It's about that's really nice, and yeah. and the same thing for um, finance. Finance is hugely complex for a lot of people, and I'm one of them. I'll put up my hand and go, I hate anything to do with finance. So if you can explain it to me in a way that I can relate to it, you know, and I think that's why Scott Pape did so well as the Barefoot Investor. He told stories. And those stories, everybody was able to go, oh, my God, that, and I just have to say, that couple who are earning 35000 between them have just paid off a $900,000 house and saved 300000 in savings. You know, how did they do that? Yeah. But it's that kind of story stuff. I'm really interested in what you just said about the way you pitch yourself, that yeah. I help people get in magazines for free. I think the copywriters could maybe take a leaf out of that book as yes. well because if they were to say it just so they want to take on some PR work, which is yeah. not that dissimilar now from blog writing. Let's be no, honest. No, I would say exactly the same. It's just take the blog and send it to the media first. Yeah. I think this is a kind of an important point I want to make, Jules, because um, copywriting and PR has often been quite separate activities, as I just mentioned at the very start of our, of our call. I don't think it's that different anymore. In fact, you look at the no. publicists now and they're actually outreaching for blogs you know, they they just really want to get the blogs for their clients in the newspapers or the the, the uh, online journals. Absolutely. So I think copywriters listening, if you want to take a bit more control over your career, not just rely on clients giving you work, but you want to actually reach out and start generating your own work, you can actually be this person for your clients, you know. Absolutely. And, and you can be it for yourself as well. But just know that these blogs and these articles are what the publications want, not so much that old-style media release that we talked about. And I think if you can do that and you can say to a client, I can help you get into a magazine or a newspaper for free, you'll, I'll be charging you for my services, mind you, but of course. I can get you for free into these publications. I think that could be a really nice um, hook. And, look, and, and, and for those people that are nervous about reaching out to the media, there is still a role to write those press releases and they can get someone else to send it out. So it's really about, I mean, where where they could really start attracting attention would be to write for an industry magazine or newspaper, I think, and start talking about some of the common mistakes, some of the tips, come of the whatever. And then you'll find people will be going, oh my God, that person wrote that so well. I'm going to contact them. PR is an amazing gift because it hangs around for a long time and people will actually search out organisations and writers um, on the back of publicity. And I would encourage all of them to, to be, yeah, to be writing. I mean, I've got loads of small business owners who have amazing stories. They would love to get in the media, but they can't write, you know, or English isn't their first language. I've just finished working with... Um, the professional, and I'll put this out there because you guys might like to contact them, but the Professional Migrant Women's Association has got some incredible business owners in there, and yet English isn't their first language. They're really struggling to tell people about these incredible things they're doing for the environment, for there was one woman who was teaching, who was um, offering deaf and blind support services for Samoan people. I mean, you know, really kind of things that people should know about, but they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to write. I get that a lot, Jules. I have students who might be from India or Chinese or um, African, mm. and they say to me, you know, how should I niche? And I say, have you thought about actually helping people in, in your, your community, community That's convert right. their websites from either English to your natural language or vice versa? Or so, even just tidying it up because, yeah. you know, for a lot of them, they got the gist of it there, yeah. but they just haven't got the right tone or they don't, they've used complex words and spelling mistakes. It's yeah. all that kind of. Can you imagine if someone who speaks your language and you're talking to them and you're helping them you know, sort of elicit what they're truly trying to say and you're doing it in that natural language and shared language, it's so much easier than if this person doesn't speak, they speak English, for example. It's very difficult to get that, you know, that rapport, I guess. Yeah. 
Um, but but the other problem that they have is because so they might be able to speak English reasonably well, but they don't. You know, I, I mean, I've been talking with a lot of. Um, migrant people as well. And you forget, you lose your personality when you are trying to speak in another language because you're concentrating so much on the grammar and am I saying it correctly that you can't start cracking jokes or do any of those sorts of things. So it's very hard for them to reflect their personality as well. And I think there's a huge opportunity for people to help that. There are a lot of people in manufacturing um, and in wholesale, um, in wholesale for retail, who haven't had an education. You know, they are brilliant at selling, but they don't know how to write about their own business. So I think there's massive opportunities out there. So let's just do a bit of a deep dive into that, Jules. Let's sure. just say somebody did want to contact a manufacturer, right? Where do you think people should start? Let's say oh, I'll tell you how I did it because yeah. I did it for years for, with PR. So what I would do would be I would go to trade shows. And I would go to industry magazines. And one of my favourite was read Gift Fair because you could go and see a 1,000 businesses in one day. Um, I read magazines and I literally will ring up the company and go, hi, I just uh, um, read about your business and I just thought it would be amazing in the media. I'd love to help you. But I would be also looking at... Um, you go into industry magazines and trade shows and there is appalling writing. You can see it straight away. So you just go, oh, my God, I absolutely love your business. I think it's amazing. But your, your language is really letting it down. I think most of them would be happy for someone to say that. And I would love to help you write it. I've, I've worked with other jewellers or I've worked with other greengrocers or whatever before, and you don't even have to tell them the truth. You can just tell them that you have, because for a lot of people, there's a comfort in experience and they don't realize that the skills are transferable. If you can write, you can write, doesn't matter what you're writing for. It's like PR people go, but I want a fashion PR. And it's like fashion business. It's no different. It's just learning the, the skills. So their skills are instantly transferable. Um, so I would approach an organization and, and one of the big ones that I love is retail wholesalers. So I'll give you an example. I used to work in parenting PR. I loved parenting. I had young kids myself that worked. I would read the parenting magazines, Mother and Baby, Kids, whatever. I'd find products that I thought were really cool and I would send an email to the owner and say, could I have a quick chat with you? I really love what you're doing and I think I can help. They will always pick up the phone. And then I would say, you know, and then if they pick up the phone, I go, look, you don't have to buy from me. I'm not selling to you because that's just typical woman. But um, I would say that and then I would go, but I just love what you're doing and I really think the media would love it and I could help you get there if you're interested. And you would be amazed the number of people that go, how much? <laughs> and you go three grand a month and they go, okay, that, okay, let's do it. We'll, I'll do it. And you go three months minimum, just give me a try and off you go. So Excellent. Yeah. That's what I would do. It is about just picking up the phone and having a bit of chutzpah as well. So, Jules, what's your theory about phone versus email? What's your preferred modality for getting in touch with people these days? Uh, look, my preferred, and I think I'd say 99% of people's preferred is email, but I don't think it works very well anymore. So on the one hand, I would say I'd love to just email people. It's nice and passive. It's not aggressive. You know, they can answer if they want, but I think it gets lost. So wherever possible, I will pick up the phone and I do the same in the media. So I would say to people, um, you know, obviously for bloggers and digital media outlets, I'm I would probably email it. But if I'm trying to get on TV or radio or into a newspaper, I will almost always ring and ask if there's someone I can talk to. I will assume I've only got two minutes. So, you know, hi, I know you're really busy, but I just want to tell you, blah, 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 and I can send the rest in an email and they'll go, great, send it. And then they're looking out for it for me. Nice. So that's my little tip that way. I, I You know, and if I ring and they're not there, I'll leave a voice message. And this is what, this is my trick. I leave a voice message and say, hi, um, sorry, I've missed you. Listen, I will send you an email now. If I don't hear from you tomorrow about it, I'll give you a call back. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so you really set it up quite lovely and, and yeah. flagging what you're about to do and quite respectfully as well. Well, that's right. But also if they're going, oh, my God, I don't want to ring me every day, they'll just go, okay, I'll pick up the phone or I'll yeah. answer the email now. 
Nice, nice, Jules. And just on the trade shows and the, the industry fairs, yeah. I talk about that a lot with my networking sessions as well yeah. because I think it's it's a low-hanging fruit, as you said, and the, and the gorgeous way to find out what's on is Eventbrite and try booking. And most people don't see it that way, right? They think it's just a booking yes. platform. But if you go to Eventbrite and you look at the filters on the left-hand side and you go either, you know, your location or the date or the topic and then it shows up for you all the events that are coming up you can do fee and free so you definitely want to pay to go to something like a fair you just put in free and before you know it you've got a list of five to ten events that you could go to literally that day or that night either online or in person so i found event and, uh, booking and try sorry event bright and try booking really powerful tools for helping you identify your niche and looking at what fairs are out there, what trade shows, and that, and you know how to get to them very quickly. I think that's really good. And then I would say go with business cards, and and or something small that you can give them. Bear in mind that at a trade show, that everyone's giving them leaflets, um, but something that says clearly what it is that you do. So I used to bring my business cards were uncoated, so I could write DIY PR. But I would suggest these days I'd probably print something up or attach it to a pen or do something um, to to let them know. But if you can have a conversation with them, and, of course, the beautiful thing on trade shows is you can go and have a little snoop around their stall and realise that they've spelt things wrong and that, um, you know, they don't have any flyers or whatever and just suggest, gee, I wish you had a flyer. Would you like me to help you write one? I really like your tone, Julie. I like this, but... Can I help you? It seems yeah. to be that's the, the, the template. And, and, the, and you've got to have a thick skin. So if they go no, then you go, okay, fine. Let me leave you my card just in case. But I would say at a read gift show, I used to go to that. So I think that's about, well, life in style is a better one. So I think that's about, say, 300 um, stall holders. I would pretty much be exhausted, but I would put in maybe three hours and go to as many stalls as I could. And I'd probably walk away with about six clients. Well, wow. and Jules, would you take a card and then cold call? What's the ethics of that, do you think? Um, I do. If I, So what I would normally do is I would try to speak to the person on the stall and often they say, oh, it's not my business, it's my uncle. And I go, have you got a phone number for them? What's the best time to ring? You know, what are they like? Are they going to be up for this? Some of them will go, oh, my God, they'll be, they'd love to hear from you. And others will go, I wouldn't bother. You know, they're not going to like it. So you just move on. I mean, the beautiful thing about trade shows is there's summit variety and choice that if you don't hit the right one, you just move on to the next one. Yeah, great. Jules, so many fantastic tips and I love the realness of the way you operate. And, and how can <laughs> people you. get in touch with you and how can they actually get to work with you? What do you do? Well, listen, I teach people how to do PR. I've got two options. So my website, which I think I've sold so many times, we're not going to say it again. But anyway, um, on my website, what I did was I built a PR SaaS platform, which basically means that for $350 a month or $1,000 a year, it's $990 or something, um, you can go on, build your own media contact list. So you basically go on, choose the topics that you want to talk about. So say it's real estate, it kind of opens it up, allows you to build um, a list of names, media contact names. Then on the next stage, it's got a media release template where you upload your logo, photo, headline, body copy, any research links or something can go in down the bottom. Um, so that's one. And that's kind of do it all yourself. You know what you're doing. Then on the back of uh, starting Handle Your Own PR, I realised that a lot of people don't know the right way to write. So I started um, a PR accelerator program, which is a three-month program. It's $12.90 a month for three months. You get an hour with me a week to ask questions of, as opposed to me presenting. Six video lessons. You get one-on-one -on -one time with the journalist for four hours. You get an e-book. And I can't remember what else, but it's all up on the website. And then the other option that I've started working with people, if they want a bit more hand-holding, is to work one-on-one -on -one with you for a month or two every week catching up and you get all the PR Accelerator stuff as well. Wow. And I imagine you don't need too many wins to pay for what? You charge, right? You just get one. Well, yeah, I mean, I would. Yeah, and let's talk about that actually quickly before we go, because if people are going to do PR, they need to know how much they can charge. So if you're, I would, you, I used to charge $3,000 a month, which is now about four, four and a half thousand, I think, for an agency. So three would make you very attractive. For that, I would be expecting to get about three or four articles published a month. Um, if I if and on my website to write a media release, I charge seven hundred and fifty dollars. 
That is not to do anything other than to write it and hand it back to them. Um, if I was then going to send it out, I would probably charge at least a thousand. There is another way you can do it where you can charge a success fee. Um, and to do that, some people do it that way. And what I do then is three or $400 for a, something in a digital media outlet. So, you know, kids bottle or something like that. Um, I would charge about $600. If you manage to get it into a magazine, I would charge about 750, something like that to get it into a newspaper pitching to television is easy. I don't know whether that's relevant for you guys, but if you can get them on television, I would say a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks is a success fee. So that's an optional way of doing it. But really in PR land, people tend to charge a retainer um, because, and you'll find this, that if you go out to the media the first time with a story, it's never as powerful as you've been doing it for two months and they've had three stories from you and they start to grasp it. And, and so what will happen then is they'll start having chats with you about, you know, the articles you're sending through and what other content there might be and whatever. So try to get a two or three months kind of secondment if you can. Jules, you're saying that TV actually is a potential for getting um, some PR. I think people often think that TV is the most difficult medium. So just talk to me about what kind of TV shows you could possibly get on and, and how we'd get on them. Okay, so it's it's actually just another type of media outlet. So that's the first thing I would say. Um, obviously, a lot more people want to be on TV, but they are still driven by stories. They're still being driven by advice for their viewers, et cetera, et cetera. So um, the types of shows that are easy to get on are the daytime shows from 9 till 11 a.m. Uh, I think that's called, gosh, it's been a while for me now, The Morning Show um, and Mornings, I think might be the other one. Sunrise and the Today Show is also another option. And, of course, don't forget that Sunrise and the Today Show have got weekend versions. And then there are also weird things like um, Today Tonight is still running in South Australia and um, WA. A Current Affair is national. A Current Affair is another one that you would be amazed at the results that people will get from appearing in A Current Affair. So how do you do it? Well, what you do is let, let's say that you want to be on, um, let's start with the Today Show. So the Today Show is on Channel 9. Uh, there's two ways of doing it. The first one is I would ring Channel 9 and say, could you put me through to a producer on the Today Show? And sometimes they will. Other times they'll go, look, they're busy. Um, we'd rather you sent it to this generic email. If that happens, what I would do is I would go onto Google and I would Google uh, whatever, let's say your topic is lifestyle or business, lifestyle producer Today Show. You'll probably get a couple of LinkedIn profiles that will come up. Once you know the name of the person, then I go back to Channel 9 and I go, hi, could I speak to Bernadette Schwert on the Today Show, please? And they won't question it at all because they, you've got that person's name. So that's one way of being able to find the, the direct person. Um, otherwise, you can just Google them as well. Now, once you ring the media outlet, and that's what I would definitely suggest you do, uh, you want to talk to that producer. So... Let, let's just do a little role play. I would ring. I would say, hi, can I speak to the um, Bernadette on the Today Show? They go, fine, I'll put you through. Bernadette answers and says, hi, Bernadette here. And I go, firstly, I would say, hi, Bernadette, is this a good time? I've got a really good idea for a story segment. Um, have you got two minutes that I can run through it with you? Now, I've got. you've got to give them that outlet because if they're busy, and you are still talking to them, they're not going to pay attention. So you want their attention. If they say, look, I'm in the middle of something, say, what's a good time for me to call you back? Or would you like me to email you as a last choice? And that way, you know, at least they're going to be looking out for your email. But otherwise, what I would do is try, I, I normally say to people, you need, you have about one, one minute or 30 seconds. No, that's too long. 10 seconds to capture their attention. So I would write three bullet points down. I'd never script it. Just write three bullet points and go, hi, um, Bernadette, one of the things that I've been doing is I'm a copywriter. I've been working with small business owners in the food and retail industry for the last two years. There is a common mistake that I see that they continue to do. Um, and I'd really love to come onto the show and talk about how um, small business owners could avoid that. So that's a business pitch, actually. As I'm talking, I'm thinking out loud. Remember that most of their viewers for most shows are consumers. So you might say, um, 
one of the, you know, I've been writing, um, I've been writing the catalog copy for some of the big retailers over the years. And I've got some really great tips about how people can access sales um, for big retailers really easily, you know, and maybe your tip is that they make sure they go into the store at eight o'clock on a Wednesday night to, you know, find whatever, but it's that kind of thing. It's about whatever you can add value to their customers, the the types of clients of mine that have got on are people who are talking about how to relieve stress for women, um, people that have talked about um, new inventions um, and tips and fashion and dressing, but really small business owners that have no experience on TV has got on. So I would absolutely encourage all of you that if you've got something that you think would work well in an interview um, to pitch that to um, a TV station And last but not least, remember if it's something like the Channel 7 one, I can't remember what it is. It used to be Studio and and Studio 10 and it's a panel. It would be great if you could bring in something or offer a challenge or do something to um, engage with the people who are sitting around the table with you. So, for instance, you might, um, as a copywriter, you might say, um, okay, I want you all to sit down and write the word there. And then you can have a bit of fun with all the different spellings they'll have of there and, wh- and why they thought of that or whatever. But it's all about being a bit interactive if you possibly can on TV. Excellent. I saw a woman, Jules, once she was a neuroscientist sort of psychologist coach and she brought yeah. on a model of the brain, you know, yep. like the size of your hand. And she was able just to point out the different elements of the brain. It was just a lovely little device to draw attention to her and, and to um, you know, create a little bit of drama. So I think that's I, right. That's producer, exactly the producer will love it if you've got something that can be a bit interactive with the, um, if you've yeah. got an item it's you can bring. Copywriters, you could bring a pen or something. <laughs> no, I don't think that's, no, it's, it would need to be something like, a challenge. Maybe you ask them all to write down all the spellings of the word there that they can think of, yeah. and then you can talk about how gra- spelling and grammar has just disintegrated into True. nothingness over the That's last 10 years. That's a really good point. That's a great point. Jules, it's been an absolute delight talking to you. You're an absolute uh, wealth of information, and I wish you all the very best. Thank you so much, Bernadette. I love working with you and your copywriters. So anytime at all, anyone needs any help, please tell them to get in contact. And thank you so much for inviting me to do this. My absolute pleasure. I love the way Jules makes it sound so easy. And I think if you were to put her tips into action, you might be surprised at the results you get. And don't forget, the media is a hungry beast. It needs stories. It needs content and vast volumes of it. They have to get it from somewhere. Why not you? You have to be in it to win it. So if you want to find out how other copywriters are marketing their business and how they're getting PR and how they summon up the courage to do what Jules talks about in this podcast, join our community at copyclub.com.au. We know that the fastest way to finding success is to have a team of people around you who hold you accountable. That's what Copy Club can do for you. It will give you the momentum you need to keep going while you're building your new copywriting career. Now, as you know, I always end with a quote and a tip. And my quote for the day is from Lady Gaga. Do not allow people to dim your shine because they are blinded. Tell them to put some sunglasses on. Well said, Lady Gaga. And my joke, as always, a dad joke. What does a lemon say when it answers the phone? Yellow. (laughs) That made me laugh even. Well, that's it from me. All the best and bye-bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Copywriter. You'll find the show notes at soyouwanttobeacopywriter.com.au or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentercomau slash news, where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions, and much more. This podcast was brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre.